the reason why I have my concerns is because the expectations for Oklahoma football remains at an all-time high. I mean, Oklahoma fans are not okay with going 8-4. and four. They're not. They're not okay with going 9-3. and three. So that's where my concerns are at, is that everyone told me last offseason is that Brent Venables is an upgrade from Lincoln Riley. That's what that's what Oklahoma fans told me. I, hey, I wanted to believe it, and I told you before the season last year, I was like, I hope, I really do, I pray, and I hope for you that he's as good as you think he's going to be. But I don't know that. Always College Football with Greg McElroy is presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hello and welcome in. We really appreciate you being with us on a Friday edition of Always College Football. Today is January 20th, and we are deep in the midst of our breakdowns for these big conferences. We're also going to get into the group of five a week from now, so don't sit here and say that you guys are big school apologists. No, we're not. We're just serving the bigger audiences first before we dive in to all the members of the group of five. Please like, rate, and subscribe. We cover all of college football. We're your stop and your destination for great college football discussion. Please weigh in. Hit us up in our social media at AlwaysCFB, both on Instagram and on Twitter. Submit questions to our mailbag. We're going to get to those because we have a lot of time between now and when the games get underway. So we're going to want to interact. If there's something you want to hear about, we'll do some research on your question and we'll try to give you an appropriate answer. Plus, we're going to dive into more of these teams as we get a little bit further down the road. So right now, big picture discussions, putting a bow on 22 and ushering in a new year here in 23. And that's what we've done this week with the SEC on Monday and with the Big Ten on Wednesday. So go back and check those shows out if you missed some of our previous episodes. Today is the Big 12. We're going to dive in. And for those of you, by the way, that used to be very loud about the Group of Five, you no longer have to concern yourself about those Group of Five previews. You might be included in the Big 12. I'm talking to you, Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati. You guys were all very outspoken for a very long time. Well, why don't you talk about us? Well, guess what? Here you are in the Big 12 preview. You are officially a member of the Big 12 starting in the 2023 fall calendar season. So not just football, obviously. we got to include volleyball and all the other great sports that play in the fall as well. We're going to dive in same way we do every single week, every single day on these specific teams. Now, you look at the Big 12. It was dominant there for a little bit in the BCS era. You think back in you know 1998 all the way through the 2013 season, Oklahoma had a stretch of dominance. Texas had a national championship. I mean, we're talking about a league that has had some really, really high hopes. However, since the start of the BCS era back in 98, the league has gone just two and six in national championship games. Those wins, of course, with Oklahoma back in 2000 and then in Texas, in 2005. Can those things flip given the sense that both Texas and Oklahoma are departing for greener pastures, likely in 24, even though everyone seems to think it's going to be in 25? I think it's going to be 24, but what do I know? However, let's not worry about that right now. Let's talk about what it's going to look like this upcoming year. So let's talk about it. Presented by AT&T 5G. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, the Big 12 is going to look very different here in 2023, but right now the perception of the league is probably a little different than even it was heading into 2022. Who thought TCU would be the top dog? The reigning, I guess, not champ. We know Kansas State won the championship, but the reigning poster child for the Big 12 success. Who would have thought the TCU would be the first Big 12 team to win a college football playoff game? I certainly didn't. I thought TCU would be good, but good to me was like nine and three. (laughs) I didn't think they'd be anywhere near national runner up, but hey, credit to Sonny Dykes and credit his staff. He's even though he's going to be without Garrett Riley, I think that offense will be just fine. Moving forward, let's talk there and start with the TCU Horn Frogs. Of course, 13-2 and two overall, undefeated in the regular season in the Big 12. Of course, they lost to Kansas State in the Big 12 title game. Significant losses, of course, for the Horn Frogs. You lose Max Duggan, Heisman Trophy runner-up, had a phenomenal year, but people need to remember, Max Duggan actually lost the quarterback competition heading into the fall. Chandler Morris was the guy that started week one against the Colorado Buffaloes. You also look at Kendra Miller. What he meant, of course, his his inability to play in the national championship game is heartbreaking to me in so many ways. I don't think it would have made a huge difference, but either way, he's gone as well. Quentin Johnson, Steve Avila, who's been there forever along the offensive line, Alan Ali along the offensive line, lose a bunch of guys up front along the offensive line that I thought were pretty dang impressive and pretty dang important. Of course, not necessarily going to be super concerned with their offense. I think their offense is going to be just fine. Maybe I'm the one that's, you know, a little bit too bullish on what Sonny Dykes is. Maybe I'm the one that that is just far too optimistic about what he brings to the position as a head coach. But I think he's going to be fine. Look back at his time pretty much everywhere he's been, whether it be Louisiana Tech, Cal, SMU, the guys scored points. They are going to score points. Now, will they be as opportunistic as they were last year? Will they be able to execute in crunch time as often as they did? Will they have that don't panic, we're down 18 type of mentality that they took into so many different games? Those are all questions that remain to be seen. The one thing I will say is that they have done a great job of attacking the transfer portal so far. They have gone out, man, and they have found some impact players just like they did last year. They went out and they attacked the portal last year. So it's very obvious exactly how Sonny Dyke's going to keep this ship afloat. Goes out 
adds Cordale Russell at wide receiver. You go add JoJo Earl, transfer from Alabama at wide receiver. You go add Jack Besh, kind of a tight end wide receiver hybrid there for LSU. He's now heading to play for the Horn Frogs as well. You bring in an offensive lineman alongside him as well, and Tommy Brockermeyer, formerly a five-star. Will he be a day one impact player? We'll find out. But they didn't just do it on the offensive side. I think they also added some very important pieces on the defensive side as well. You go out and get Avery Helm at corner. You get Channing Canada at corner. Remember, this is a defense that had two elite corners in the back end, one of which in Trey Hodges Tomlinson has declared early to enter the NFL draft. You go out and get Jamel Johnson at corner as well. You get three corners now to replace some important pieces in the back end, all with experience, all with decent tape, all with having played at the highest levels at times in college football. So very optimistic about their additions at corner. They also brought in Mason White too at corner, so I didn't want to forget him. Four corners to be exact to fill a couple spots. They should be in pretty good shape. They also need to make sure that they attack the defensive line because if there was one position that struggled a little bit at the biggest possible stage, they didn't play great along the defensive line. They lose Dylan Horton. They lose Terrell Cooper. They'd bring in Avian Carter at defensive end as well. So they should be in pretty good position with their additions via the portal. But there was something about last year's team. And I know Chandler Morris is a very talented, highly regarded player, has had very productive moments when he's been healthy and when he's been available. I think he's going to be just fine in this offense and should be in a position to, I don't want to say replicate the success of Max Duggan, but should be able to rival him statistically. Granted, replacing Quentin Johnson won't be easy, no doubt about it, but at least they've done and gone out and acknowledged that, hey, maybe it's not going to be filled by just one person. Maybe it's a collection of talent that fills some of those absences offensively. But what made TCU special last year? People will say all these, you know, quarterback, well, it's wide receiver or, you know, it's just timely play. I just think there was something magic about him, man. And to recreate that magic will be very difficult. But ultimately, they start up top, and they were probably going into the season. They're probably the favorite in the Big 12. How could you blame anybody having anyone other than them? Let's move next to the Texas Longhorns. They bring back a decent amount as well. They lose their best player on offense, maybe their second best player on offense, and their best player on defense. So they are not going to be going into the 23 season with a fully stocked cupboard. You lose Bijan Robinson, you lose Roshan Johnson. Those two guys, the tandem at running back, have been excellent for as long as I can remember. But on the defensive side, and this is a group on defense that at moments had some really, really, really solid outings. You lose Demarion Overjone, that's going to be a very difficult piece to replace. You lose Ovi Ogofu, he's a solid piece as well. Keontre Coburn, that big body defensive tackle there in the middle of that defense. These are big pieces that won't necessarily be able to replace them immediately. Now, they've done a great job going out and being active in the recruitment of Arch Manning. They've gone out and probably brought in some guys like Cedric Baxter that might be able to be day one players, day one starters in some places, depending on the position that they play. But either way, Texas does have to replace some key pieces along both lines of scrimmage. And I think all in all, they have to be more consistent throwing the football. Quinn Ewers, a lot of people look at Quinn Ewers, and he probably had unrealistic expectations coming into the season. Let's just be honest. 
People are saying, well, he's the greatest quarterback. He's got so much natural ability. Just wait till you see what he does. Well, we watch him all the way up until the Oklahoma game. Obviously missed some time there with the injury. Watched him in the first half against Alabama. Everyone's sitting there thinking, look, Texas is set at quarterback, man. They are in great shape. Quinn Ewers is going to be a star. Making great throws, making them look easy. Effortless trajectory, effortless pushing the ball downfield off play action. Like There was a lot to like about Quinn Ewers. And then you watch him down the stretch, and that confidence started to dwindle as the games got more difficult. It was almost as if he got a little shell-shocked against TCU and just never really recovered as far as his approach to the game. Now, there were some bright moments. I'm not going to sit here and deny that there were bright moments. There were, but I need to see a more consistent player and I need to see a more confident player heading in to 2023. He's got to believe that he can do anything because naturally, from a gift standpoint, there are a few that have more than Quinn Ewers and without B. John Robinson there as a get-out-of-jail-free card, he's going to have to be ice water. He can't have performances like he had against Oklahoma State, and he can't have performances like he had at times against some of the other teams in the latter part of the schedule. So Texas, a team that will definitely be in the mix, but certainly enter into this upcoming season with some real question marks. And let's go to the Big 12 champs from a year ago. That's Kansas State. 10-4 and four in the Big 12. In overall, 7-2 and two in the Big 12. Of course, they got the win against TCU there in the Big 12 championship. And they bring back a decent amount on the offensive side of the football. They bring back eight on the offense. They bring back six on defense. A lot to feel good about when looking at their returners. However, they lose some key pieces. Deuce Vaughn, the record-setting running back, will be almost impossible to replace. Now, people will say, well, they surely they can do it. They'll be fine. It's a running back. They've been able to kind of replace him. They spelled him at times. Y'all, Deuce Vaughn's been good for a long time, man. And he did a lot for this football team, whether it's the perimeter runs, he can get up inside. It was just, I think this, he was able to finish with power, even though he was never a very physically imposing dude. That's going to be an impossible piece to replace. You also lose Cade Werner. Warner, very reliable there as a wide receiver, especially in third down situations. And if you look at Will Howard, he looked in his direction an awful lot in critical down and distance. So those two pieces will not be easy to replace. And then you look to the defensive side of the football, man, you are losing some really, really good pieces. I mean, some really good pieces. Notably, Eli Huggins is going to be a significant piece to have to replace there in the middle of that defense. He's so big, so wide, so difficult to contain. And I don't think that he's going to be a guy that is very easy to replicate, man. I mean, this is a guy that did a lot for this football team. And to think that he's going to be easily replaced, I'm not buying it. I also look at some of the other pieces along that defense. I mean, they had some dudes that can flat out fly. They were physical and it was not something that you're going to see every day in the Big 12. They were physical, and they were going to be able to run. They were going to be able to hold the point. They were going to be able to make things happen on the defensive side of the football. And in a league where it's really all about you know, trying to outscore opponents in some ways, the defense has taken significant strides. So that's why having difference makers like Huggins in the middle, like NUDK Uzama, who decided to declare for the NFL draft. You look at these guys departing, man, those are not easy pieces 
to replace. Now you can go out, you can make some additions via the portal. They've done that. They've gone out and got a couple of decent pieces that might be able to step right in, especially a linebacker. You look at Rex Van Wy, you look at Terry Kirksley, that's at linebacker. Those guys might be day one impact dudes. But ultimately, this might be a situation where the offense has to step up. This might be a situation where the offense, if the defense isn't as good as they were a year ago, they might have to get into some shootouts and they might have to win some games. That's why so much of the expectations heading into this upcoming season are going to be placed at or on Will Howard's shoulders. They bring back a bunch of guys up front along the offensive line. They bring back some decent weapons on the perimeter, but you have to be able to probably outscore some folks in that league, and Will Howard's going to be the guy directing that ship. So those are the three teams right now that are kind of at the top of the Big 12. Let's look to a team that I'm probably most excited about or most bullish on based on where they've been in recent years. That's the Texas Tech Red Raiders. We all know what happened there in Lubbock when Joey McGuire was hired. He was a former Texas high school coach. He was at, the, at Baylor, was the associate head coach. And everything that he's done since he stepped foot on campus there in Lubbock has been terrific. Just terrific. You look at where they're at, the first winning record in Big 12 play since 2009. They won their last four games, including beating Ole Miss in the Tax Act Texas Bowl. They give McGuire, as a result of his performance, a big, brand-new six-year contract. They have a really talented receiver core. There's a lot to be excited about with what comes back for the Red Raiders. Now, there's also some things to be concerned about. You lose some key pieces, most notably the defensive end Tyree Wilson, who's likely going to be a top 10 pick, top 15 pick at the very worst, a complete game changer there on the end of the line of scrimmage that will be impossible to replace. You lose Eldridge at linebacker. You lose Marquise Waters there at safety. Some key pieces on the defensive side that were not easy to replicate their performances. You also lose Merriweather there at linebacker as well. So will this team be able to keep up if the game gets sideways or if the game starts to get out of reach? I happen to think they're in pretty good position. I look at Tyler Shuck at quarterback. He's decided he's decided to come back. You also have six seniors on defense who are going to take advantage as of right now of that sixth year of eligibility awarded to them because of COVID-19. So you have a very veteran group on both sides of the ball. The offense returns nine. The defense returns seven. You got to feel decent about what they've been able to go out and get. You also look at one specific individual that might have a huge impact on what Texas Tech may be. Remember this name, Dre McCray. All conference at Austin P. All right, really, really good. There in the Atlantic Sun, led them in receptions and receiving yards. You also need to remember this name, Rusty Stats. He's an all-conference center at Western Kentucky and had worked with the offensive staff in the past. Of course, that offensive staff had come from Western Kentucky. So he's a guy that has played a ton of football and will shore up the interior of that offensive line. So there's a lot to like about what Texas Tech brings back this year. I would not be surprised if they started the year in the top 25. And I also think, too, there's reason to believe, based on how they finish the season, you could make a strong argument that they should start the season in the top 20. And if you really look at the Big 12 right now, look at the Big 12. 
We're going to get to the new additions in just a moment. There's not really a guaranteed bona fide top dog. Like everyone, one through say 10 in the Big 12, it could kind of go any direction. Remember, TCU was picked to finish seventh in the Big 12 last year. Well, Texas Tech's got their quarterback situation figured out. They got a veteran offense. They got a bunch of veterans on defense coming back. Do lose a couple impact players, and you got a firmly established foundation. I think Texas Tech's poised to spring this upcoming year. So extremely bullish on them. The biggest question mark for the Big Twelve right now, y'all. How do we know what's going to happen with the new additions? If you if you can help me understand what is a reasonable expectation, then I would be more than willing to listen because I right now don't know at all what to expect from UCF, what to expect from Cincinnati, what to expect from BYU, and certainly don't know what to expect from, from really any of these teams. And we're all looking at it and we're sitting there feeling pretty optimistic. Hey, man, I mean, look at the, you know, these teams have competed against top tier competition in the past and have fared really, really well. I I agree with all that. But at the same time, having to play power five competition week in, week out is a whole nother level of challenge. People say, well, look, TCU, after a couple of years, they were able to step right in. Texas. A&M went from the Big 12 to the SEC and they won 10 games their first year. Yeah, I, I get that. There are there are anomalies where teams have gone and, and have performed very, very well in their first year playing at a higher level. There are several examples of that over the course of time. But I think about when Gary Patterson, who I happen to think is terrific, had a TCU team that played in the Mountain West. All right, let me read off the list of when TCU joined the Big 12. All right, first year, excuse me, first year in the Mountain West, Gary Patterson come and go 11 and 1. Here's their Mountain West records 11 to 1, 11 and 2, 8 and 5, 11 and 2, 12 and 1, 13 and 0, 11 and 2. Final three years, there they lost a combined three games at TCU and won the conference in four out of the seven seasons that they were in the Mountain West. Well, here's an example of their first two years in the Big 12. Seven and six in year number one, including four and five in the league. And then they went four and eight in year number two, including two and seven in the league. So that's where we're at right now. While I have the utmost respect for what TCU has done, I have the utmost respect for what Cincinnati has done and what Houston has done. And what BYU has done. These teams will play anyone, anywhere, anytime. Not denying that. But I am genuinely curious about what it looks like when you have to go play at Kansas State. Come back the following week, you got Texas Tech at home. Then you go to TCU. Then you come back the following week, you got Oklahoma State at home. Then you have to go to Texas. Then you come back and you got Cincinnati at home. It's like one game after another. It never lets up. You get a bye week and it's like, oh my goodness, thank goodness. So it's going to be a difficult transition. And if for whatever reason, any of those aforementioned teams is competitive and ultimately potentially gets to the Big 12 championship, then I don't care what the circumstances are. Those coaches, whatever the coach may be, whether it's Holgo or Satterfield at Cincy or Gus Malzahn at UCF, 
Every one of those coaches should be up for coach of the year, not just in the Big 12, but nationally, because the gauntlet that they're having to run this year will be significantly more difficult than the gauntlet they've run in the years past. That's not knocking the American. I love the American. I have tons of respect for the American. It's not knocking what BYU's done. I think BYU, actually, you can make a case. They might be best positioned to compete on a week-in, week-out basis because as an independent, I've seen and have called games in consecutive weeks from BYU against Tennessee one week, and then they come back and they have USC at home. By the way, they went 2-0 in those two games back in like 2018, whatever year that was. So I think BYU, because they have been conditioned to play in back-to-back-to-back-to-back against Power 5 teams, they might be best positioned to have year one success. But that's the biggest question mark. Anyone that says otherwise, we're looking at it completely differently because I look at this Big 12. I think it's going to be really competitive. I think there's a lot of question marks on a few teams, but I think it's going to be really competitive from top to bottom to where Team 14 could very easily get Team 1 depending on the week. I mean, after all, we just saw Kansas. Kansas. Kansas, of all teams, be ranked in the top 20 at one point last year. Okay? So this is a, this is a league where you can rally up. There's also a league where you can fall flat if you lose a couple close games because I do think the teams are fairly competitive across the board. That's the biggest question mark. Are those four new additions? Good luck. I can't wait to watch you. It's going to be awesome. You guys have been pounding forever on the table. Let us in. Let us in. Well, you're in. Do something with it now. Can't wait to see what you do. The team that is under the most pressure and the team that I am currently most concerned about all fall under the same umbrella. You probably know where I'm going with this. I'm going with the Oklahoma Sooners. And like I've said already about pressure and the team that I'm most concerned about, I said it on Monday, team in the SEC that I said I was most concerned about was the Florida Gators. I said it on, on Wednesday, the team that I was most concerned about in the Big Ten was Michigan State. Well, today is Big 12 day. And the team that I'm most concerned about is Oklahoma. And you can say, well, that's, that's ridiculous. I, we look at our recruiting class. Look at the additions. Look at the pieces that we've added in the portal. I, I agree with all that. I think you've actually had a really nice offseason so far up to this point. Granted, we're, what, two weeks, three weeks into the offseason? I actually thought in your final game against Florida State, there in the bowl game was maybe your best performance of the year. So I, I, I actually thought that there was reason for optimism down the stretch a little bit, not, not a ton, but a little bit with Oklahoma. And I get the sense that Brent Venables will work tirelessly to get this thing situated before he goes into year number two. But let's be real, man. We're talking about a team that just experienced their worst season in 25 years. We're talking about a program that had perennially been not just in the mix for the Big 12, but had absolutely dominated the Big 12. Lincoln Riley was the head coach for five years. He won the Big 12 four times. I mean, they have dominated the league. And it wasn't the case this past year. Now, part of that is because Lincoln Riley, when he left, he took a bunch of guys with him and they had to replace a bunch. And there's transition. I mean, you're going from an offensive coach to a defensive coach and you're implementing a system that's similar, but a little different. And, you know, there's just, there were challenges. There were real challenges in year number one 
for Brent Venables. And you also couple that with a quarterback injury. You realize you have no depth at that position because you already had Spencer Rattler leave. You had Caleb Williams leave. You try to bring in Dylan Gabriel. He goes down. Davis Bevel can't be your guy. I mean, you're like, it was just a tricky year for the Sooners. But the reason why I have my concerns is because the expectations for Oklahoma football remains at an all-time high. I mean, Oklahoma fans are not okay with going eight and four. They're not. They're not okay with going nine and three. So that's where my concerns are at, is that everyone told me last offseason is that Brent Venables is an upgrade from Lincoln Riley. That's what that's what Oklahoma fans told me. Now, hey, I wanted to believe it, and I told you before the season last year, I was like, I hope, I really do, I pray, and I hope for you that he's as good as you think he's going to be. But I don't know that. Will Muschamp was a phenomenal defensive coordinator and failed at not one but two jobs as a head coach at both Florida and at South Carolina. So just because you have all the accolades as a coordinator does not necessarily mean you're going to just go in and wave the magic wand and be better than your predecessor that got to the playoff on multiple different occasions. Now, I'm not going to chart up this six and seven season to coaching. Okay, I'm not. Because it wasn't like there were coaching gaffes all over the place that ultimately led to Oklahoma losing the games they lost. But maybe a decision here and there, maybe a play here and there, maybe something that Brent Venables could have done from a motivational standpoint, what have you. Maybe they don't go 0-5 in games decided by seven points or less. I mean, the margins this past year for Oklahoma were this small. And they might be, again, here in 23, they might be this small again. Now, here's the reason why I'm optimistic. Look at what they've done in the portal. I mean, Brent Venables is attacking this thing head on. He looked at, hey, man, we're not deep enough on defense. I mean, you look at, hey, when you've got constantly getting outscored in the fourth quarter, well, you, I mean, you're just, I mean, you look gassed. I mean, the coverage wasn't as good. You couldn't stop the run in the fourth quarter. They couldn't really get after the quarterback in the fourth quarter. And clearly, depth on defense, and especially along the line of scrimmage, was a significant issue. So what do you do? You go out, you add Jacob Lacey from Notre Dame. You go out, add Devon Sears from Texas State. You go out, and you add Trace Ford from Oklahoma State. You go out and add Deshaun McCullough from Indiana. You go out and add some other good pieces along the defensive front. Like You should be in pretty good shape. All right, That's one thing. They've addressed the issues on the defensive side. But I think the other thing they need to figure out is if you want to play complimentary football, and that's what Brent Venables has always preached, if you want to play complimentary football, why did you hire Jeff Levy? You know, why did you hire a team and an offensive identity that really puts a huge emphasis on tempo? Tempo is not necessarily always going to be your best friend if you want to play complimentary football. Now you'll score points. It'll be exciting. It'll be fun to watch. But you need to figure out what you want to be offensively. I think if you want to play complimentary football. Yeah, they averaged 6.27 yards a play, which was second to TCU in the Big 12. That's great. But there were similar times when it looked like, and I used this, I saw this as a great quote in The Athletic. I loved this. I thought this was a really, really interesting uh, way of, of kind of deciphering. You occasionally put a Formula One car in rush hour traffic. That that doesn't do much for you. I think that makes that's a good that's a great way of visualizing Oklahoma's offense at times. 
So I think they need to figure out who they want to be offensively. And they need to figure out what the identity needs to be offensively. They need to make sure that they adjust accordingly to what the team needs to be successful in that given moment. Tempo needs to be a tool. It doesn't need to be an identity. And that's, I think, what Oklahoma needs to figure out here in the years to come. Let's talk about it. It's brought to you by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Look, we really appreciate this whole week being able to dive into just a little bit. We're kind of tree-topping these things. By the way, some of these things, like we're taping stuff, and then it becomes dated in some ways. Like, Just bear with us. If things change between when we lay it down to when it's presented, if there's like... Within 15 minutes of the show dropping, if there's a, oh, well, this transfer changed his mind. Like, we, we understand. Like, we're doing the best we can. We don't have the rosters officially set in stone just yet. We understand. We're kind of trying to live like coaches. Like, we're taking a picture, a snapshot of where we're at right now as we evaluate some of these teams. So, a lot of reason, I think, for optimism around the Big 12 heading into this upcoming year. Why? Because it's going to be so competitive. Every week, it feels like there isn't one team just yet that is going to really distance themselves from the field. You look across the board. You got the Baylors of the world. You got the Texas Techs of the world. You got the you got the Texases of the world. You got the Oklahomas of the world, assuming they get things going in the right direction, which I think they will. You got TCU. I mean, you have so many highly competitive football teams you got the former Big 12 champs, the run, the defending Big 12 champs right now in the Kansas State Wildcats. So many great Big 12 football teams. You can make a strong argument. Uh, look, we've talked about it endlessly, and we'll continue to talk about it heading into this upcoming year. What's the most competitive league top to bottom? Simple as that. I, I'm just going to ask that question open-ended, top to bottom, What's the most competitive league? And you can say, well, you know, we don't really know. I mean, what's Houston? What's UCF? What's BYU? What's Cincy? Like, I get it. But top to bottom, on a week-in, week-out basis, the points-per-game margin in the Big 12, I would bet right now, will be more narrow than any other league. I just believe that the top teams aren't necessarily as good as they used to be, but the floor of the league is probably as good as it's been in recent memory, which to me, is very exciting. I like competitive. Why do you think everyone likes the NFL? Because every game comes down to the wire. Because every game's competitive. Granted, of course, you know, except for the first half of you know, the Jaguars and the Chargers. But then again, hey, get a couple things twisted at halftime. Next thing you know, Jags pull it out. It's just, these are the things. It's very, very exciting. I think the Big 12 is one of my favorite leagues. As you guys know, grew up in that footprint. 
grew up with the Big 12. So the Big 12 will always have a special place in my heart, even though the Big 12 looks very different than the Big 12 I grew up with, at least heading into this upcoming year. Thanks so much for being with us. It's been awesome. We're going to continue with these breakdowns next week. Stay with us. We're going to hit ACC. We're going to hit Pac-12. We're going to get into the group of five. We're going to start to really dive into some of your mailbag questions. So hit us up at alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. And you can hit us up in our social media at alwayscfb on both Instagram and on Twitter. So we look forward to our interaction because the off season is where we're going to spend a lot of time having conversations. And we really look forward to that. So we look forward very much to our shows next week. Thanks so much for being with us this week, whether it's on the ESPN YouTube channel or if you're here with us via the podcast, please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It helps the show out. So for all of us here at Always College Football, for Jack and Mark, I'm Greg. This is Always College Football with Greg McElroy presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.